All right. So the name of the podcast is Application to Admission. I want it to be HBC versus PWIs, but you know, you think that's a little bit too too aggressive. And I, you know, I don't want to be aggressive. I want to make sure that I I treat your your your, your brother, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. right. You know, I don't come off too too militant. Even though Martin was a real militant man, he has some he has some really positive stances on a lot of things that people you know, have diluted his message through this holiday and all that, but that's a whole nother uh, episode. Welcome to the Application to Admission podcast. We are so excited that you're here again. We are so, so appreciative that you are sharing, subscribing, and making sure that everybody knows about the Application to Admission podcast. I am one of two hosts. My name is Shereem Herndon Brown. I am the uh, what do I do? I don't even know. It's summertime. I have summertime brain. I'm the chief education officer of Strategic Admissions Advice, an educational consulting company helping families and schools navigate the college admissions process. And I am very, very fortunate to be joined by my co-host, co-author, and he's the senior associate dean of admission at Emory University. Uh, Timothy Fields, how you feeling? In today, Atlanta, Tim? Georgia. And Atlanta, Georgia. How you feeling today? Oh man, oh man, it's it is it is a great day. It is a great day. Um, we have wrapped up wait list. Uh, so now uh, what we're doing is we are going to kind of step back, wait patiently for the Supreme Court decision to find out what the faith of uh, uh the fate of college admission has before us. How we'll go about evaluating applications. Will we be able to use uh, race and ethnicity? Um, and other than that, we're just kind of going to reevaluate our whole process and see how we can go about still continuing to make a great class at Emory University. You could have um, just said, you, that's you what I got said, going. Yeah, but you could have just said it's summer, summer, summer time. Like, 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 why you had to get all deep? Like, people just want to come enjoy a podcast, you know, get dribbles of information. You had to get them the whole Supreme Court race conscious admission piece. Sheesh. Man, there are parents who tune in who want to know what's going on, and we got to give them the information, brother. We keep them in the know. Information. Keep them in the know. Keep them in the know. Yeah, that's great. And I'm again, yes, yeah, we are both waiting with bated breath uh, for the Supreme Court decision about that. Obviously, it affects our industry, our profession. Um, so yeah, we we once it it drops, we will be fully uh, abreast. We're going to scour everything we can to make sure we share with the people. Um, the summer is a great time for me too, man. Quality family time. Um, you know, we have some exciting things I'll let you talk about in a second that going on the summer. But for me in my business, at least, you know, I have a lot of my juniors, my class of 2024 kids starting to brainstorm essays. It's a big essay writing time. You know, think about June, July, August, that's just a quick 90 days. And I'm a big believer that, you know, kids should go into Labor Day with 75% of their applications done because they've used the summer wisely. So, Parents out there, I don't know if you want to nag your kids to write their essay, but make sure that they are aware that they need to use the summer productively. Yes, if they need help, you know where to find us. But most importantly, um, they need to not procrastinate. Procrastinating adds to pressure, pressure adds to chat GBT. So you please advise your, your child, your teen wisely and allocate the time to write an awesome college essay or essays because they have to do supplements too. You know, I like to poke the bear a little bit. So, you okay. know, as, yeah, as they're, you know, working on these Dylan essays, <laughs> as they're working on these essays, do you suggest they ask their school English teacher? Oh, 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 oh. you're a funny guy. <laughs> uh, so for some of you who don't know, uh, I'm a former English teacher. 
I've been a school counselor, I've worked in college admissions, and now run this company for the past 17 years. And I have a little bit of a beef with uh, people who've never read college admissions applications giving advice about college essays. Yes. So do I think English teachers are well-intentioned? Absolutely. Do I think that if that's all you got in your life? Yes. But since you're listening to this podcast, Application to Admission, and you know there's someone to help you with your application, I would rather you do that because I do think English teachers sometimes are a little bit too formulaic. But again, I don't want to you know, rain on English teachers' parades. I just want to make sure people are getting good information. You So you poked the bear and I came back <laughs> diplomatically. What? Hey, there it is. A professional. A professional. Speaking um, of professionals, hey, hey, yeah. Yes. Speak your mind before I before I say my piece. No, no. I, I was going to say, speaking of professional, I was going to make it um, a transition to our professional organization, NACAC. NACAC. Um, but, segway. 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 Yeah. Uh, we are. We've had. We on a good run. We are on a good run. Uh, so September's we, a busy month. September coming up is going to be a busy month. I mean, that was before. We, we got to get to July. So, you know, we'll be presenting at Guide in the Ways of Inclusion, um, yeah. we'll be presenting a, a, a presentation on HBCUs and how they will continue uh, to be important, you know, no matter what this uh, SCOTUS decision is as far as pro promoting access for, you know, Black and African-American students. Uh, then we learned uh, that we will be part of three um, uh, presentations at our national conference um, in Baltimore. Uh, talking about you know black parents and families at independent schools. Talking Ooh, about that's gonna be my schools. that's that's what I'm getting on stage. That's what I'm a, I'm gonna cut a rug with that one, boy. Black families, independent schools. I'm a black parent. I'm independent school alum. I know the ins and outs. Wait till we do it. We're gonna do it an IG or podcast live from that. I might just let y'all listen to that because y'all gonna woof. I'm going in. I'm going in. <laughs> and and then we got another presentation with a, a CBO called Matriculate. And if you don't know about Matriculate, they're doing some great work um, throughout the country, uh, helping you know first generation, low income students who may not have access to college counseling. Um, helping you know students in colleges throughout the country help help uh, those in high school throughout the process. So we're we we're part of a lot of. Uh, great conversations and, and very excited, you know, just to be part of this larger conversation of application to admission, promoting access. Uh, so, you know, that's our summer. And then, you know, we're going to be in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, that's coming together. You, you used to College Horizons, you were appointed to, selected to read applications for Native and Indigenous students in College Horizons. Don't skip over that. That's a great honor. I, I will I will be at the College of Redlands uh, for for a week at College Horizons as well, um, you know. And there there are lots of other dates, uh, but you know we, we don't want to belabor that because we have a very very special uh, guest today. Um, you know, yes, uh, you know, Shereen accuses uh, me of talking about Morehouse too much. However, we happen to have a Morehouse guest, and if Morehouse men are doing great things. Who are we to deny you, the listeners, that? And today we have <laughs> Curtis Valentine, who is a champion for education. Uh, but he's probably best known as the founder of Real Men Teach. Um, definitely education is at the foundation of all he does. He's part of his local um, you know, community in the, on the school board there. His wife is a principal. so And she's a sport spell house, spellman woman, too. She, she is that. She is that. So, uh, yes. you know education 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 
uh, you know, we enjoyed, you know, kind of talking about the many great things that he's done, not only in his professional life, but also his personal life. Yeah, good um, his Yeah, his journey uh, going to Morehouse, Harvard, and, mm -hmm. you know, having a lot of other great, um, you know, professional opportunities. So, you know, we're excited about the conversation, man. Yeah, absolutely. Curtis is a good dude. Very, very sharp. And um, you did, it is, believe me, you will be blessed by listening to this interview, learning about him and, and things that he champions, and most importantly, understanding that education, re what do we call it? Redefining success is the epitome of what uh, of Curtis Valentine's all about. So buckle up, buttercup. Um, I don't really like why I said that, but I did. And uh, get ready for a great interview. Thank you again for listening to Application to Admission podcast. And uh, please share this with anybody who you think could need it. All right. If they don't have the book, the black they're late, sky. they're late, they're late, they're late. Uh, you know, okay. I, 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 there's, if you don't follow us on social media, understanding the choices, Instagram, Facebook group, LinkedIn. If you don't follow us individually, Timothy L. Fields or Shereem Herndon Brown on LinkedIn. I, I, I don't know what to do. I mean, again, th this book's been out since September, 2022. We hot in them streets. Everybody wants a, a piece of the action and, you know, we just want to share. So if they don't have the book, I feel sorry for them because they're going to this process uninformed. All right, let's go, Curtis. Curtis, let's go. Once again, it's on Application to Admission podcast. I am your co-host, Shereen Herndon Brown, and I am pumped that my co-host, uh, my other co-host, uh, Timothy L. Fields, a senior associate dean of admission at Emory University, he and I are going to in, um, interview today someone who's, again, not just an impressive human being, but someone who is near and dear to Tim's heart because he's a, a fellow Morehouse person. I got to make sure that they don't have too much of a Morehouse love fest, but Curtis Valentine is doing big things as, as the founder of Real Men Teach. And just as an educated Black man, really uh, deserving of his flowers, we want to give you an opportunity on our platform to share what you're doing to poke a little bit of fun at you as a parent to see where your kids are going to go to college. But of course, most of all, um, really just chop it up about all things education. So Curtis, thank you for, for taking the time to be here. And Tim, I will give you your, your Morehouse opportunity to, to push me to the side. I, I mean, you, you are on a panel with two Morehouse men. I mean, I don't, I mean, it's, it's your opportunity. If and you so I'm like, irrelevant. I'm irrelevant. And now you're not time. irrelevant, but if there's something you want to say, say it now. I mean, if you go out the country and you think of black men who are achieving in any number of disciplines, more than likely you are going to run up upon a Morehouse man. So it is no surprise that as we were talking about the field of education, teaching, empowerment, that we would have somebody of the stature of Curtis Valentine, who happened to went to Morehouse College. So, hey, we're happy you're here on the Application and Admission Podcast, brother. We're going to turn it over to you uh, so you can share all the great things that you got going. Thank you all for having me, brother. Uh, just been impressed to follow you all virtually, to see you all hustle in person. Um, and it's be a model for folks who want to do this work, man. So I, I definitely want to give you your flowers. Um, I am a, a professor of public policy at the University of Maryland College Park School of Public Policy. Um, I'm also the founder of Real Men Teach, as, as most of you know. Uh, I'm also in my third term um, as school board member in Prince George's County, Maryland, uh, the 20th largest school district in the country. And funny enough, none of those are my day job. Um, in my nine to five, I'm the co-director of a project called Reinventing America's Schools. Um, it's based in a think tank here in Washington, D.C. 
Uh, and the work that we do is to identify what school districts and what school models are making the greatest gains for particularly black and brown um, students um, and uh, work with school districts, school board members, superintendents, mayors, city council members uh, to replicate those systems. And so even in my day job, I'm looking at which K-12 school models with districts are making the greatest gains, are putting kids into college and through college, but also what university K-12 partnerships are working across the country, uh, which I think is a, a bit interesting topic, something I'm working on and seeing how are you having the, the dual enrollment conversations um, and in the same vein as having these conversations around AP exams and potential extinction of the AP exam. And so uh, I'm more than happy to talk to you about uh, my entire um, journey as an educator from starting off at a community college uh, level um, to be where I am now at the University of Maryland uh, College Park. Man, uh, that's that's impressive. You know, obviously, you know, we um, are excited about all the work that you're doing. But, you know, one of the things that, you know, we like talking about on this podcast is just talking directly to parents and their preparation. So as somebody who is definitely heavily invested in the K through 12 education, um, you know, what would you say with parents who are thinking about, hey, do I need to send my child to independent school or do I should they go to public school? What's the value in either or what are the trade offs? What are some of those conversations that you have with families as you go about your work? Well, I mean, it's important, particularly as a um, member of the school board in a public school system that we give parents um, the, the options, uh, the greatest options possible um, so that school districts, public school system should be should be the first choice to me. Uh, but in the event that that district is not serving your child um, and the particular needs your child has or proclivities or interests uh, that the system does not provide, uh, then as a parent, you have to make the best decision for your child. And, and there is um, no judgment whatsoever. Um, I'm happy to say that my school district um, has a wealth of choice, particular in areas um, around college and career readiness, uh, career technical education, uh, language immersion, performing arts. Um, my son, who's a ninth grader, um, is uh, a student in what we call a P-TECH program, which was started by a good Morehouse brother, Rashid Davis, out of New York City. It's a school model he created in partnership with IBM, which is getting students a, uh, a two-year degree, but also a placement in a, a career. Uh, that particular model has grown tremendously throughout the country. Every high school in Dallas, Texas has a P-TECH program. Um, and they're in 50 states. Uh, my son is attending Frederick Douglass High School here in Prince George's County. He is already, as a ninth grader, taking college credits. He will graduate um, in four years with an associate's degree, 60 credits. Um, and when he, if, in, if, if he went and he decides to transfer to a four-year school, uh, particularly in the state of Maryland, he will transfer as a junior saving my wife and I uh, a lot of coins, um, but also the career track. His particular career track is hospitality management, but the other systems that are in the um, uh, health field. My wife, as you all mentioned, Spelman College, class of 2000, um, is, a high, is a principal of the only high school in the state of Maryland that is situated literally on a community college campus. So she's a principal of the Academy of Health Sciences. 100% of her students, 100% graduate with an associate's degree. Uh, and they go off into four-year institutions. I'll just say, you mentioned Morehouse. Uh, one of her students last year finished at her program with 50 credits, went to Morehouse, uh, and Morehouse took 40 of those credits. Um, and so this is sort of the future of education in many ways in districts like mine, offering parents that I will say for those parents who choose independent schools, uh, that is not offered to them, um, unfortunately, um, as a public school model. But we want to make sure that whatever model uh, you know, parents looking for, we have. Um, and so that's the diversity, that's the choice model 
that I think we have and parents should be able to do. Rule number one, know your child. Um, from the time they come home, be very clear, very present. Um, is there interest in technology, the arts, music, construction, um, uh, you know, e even as, as uh, careers of, around carpentry, electrical engineering, um, cosmetology, all those careers should be options in our school district uh, is one that provides them. And my role around the country is looking at districts to see, are you providing similar options in your district so that parents don't have to look outside of your options and pay for uh, education when it should be free um, and available? That's interesting that, that you, you know, again, so invested, not just in education in PG County and your wife, I mean, you guys are a family of educators, but your son as a ninth grader has some directions uh, uh, about what he may potentially do for a career. And, you know, part of our mission has been really helping black families in particular to reinforce the college list building pillars of cost. I mean, we let's save these coins, um, uh, uh, location. Let's think about where we're going to place our children and so that they can consider some of the internships or possibilities in the surrounding areas, whether it be in Atlanta, DC, New York, LA, Omaha, Nebraska, whatever it may be, possible major possible career. So if you're thinking about your son who's already identified that he wants to consider hospitality management, I could argue as a the PWI member on this call that Cornell University has one of the best um, hospitality management programs in the country. Could you see yourself, could you see your son going to Ithaca, New York for college? Is that something that you'll put on the table for him? It's, it's, it's funny, um, you know, up until up until I was thinking about college for him, it was always Morehouse. It was always Morehouse on the wall, Morehouse on the shirts, Morehouse. Period. Uh, end of story. Like no no discussion. And as I'm as I'm saying, I'm I'm thinking the past tense. Okay. Um, but I will say, um, my son also is a, is a pretty good basketball player as well. Um, and so what I've always, what I'm getting to say is, I will not get in my child's way, um, and my dreams will not be his dreams. Um, and so. Uh, it's to your point around hospitality management, um, there are schools like University of Central Florida in that Orlando area. You got UNLV in that Vegas area. You got, so you have all these options. Um, and what I won't do is send my son to Morehouse, him end up there, not want to be there, waste my coins, um, and then end up back home within a semester. And he figured out that uh, it wasn't for him. Um, the goal really is in many ways is to, to show him the career options that a Morehouse degree could give him, and not necessarily hospitality, but in business. I know another, a lot of Morehouse brothers um, have, have gone hospitality after going into business. I know folks who are in gaming or in, um, are in working in, again, um, restaurant touring and all those things. So there's an avenue out of HBCUs that are not necessarily targeted around hospitality management. Um, and in his case, in many ways, uh, whether he'll go into that in four years, I'm not sure. He's 14. What he'll want to do in four years, you know, who knows? But it's also the idea that you, you're teaching math, you're teaching history, you're teaching language arts through the prism of a career option. And so, for example, you know, we were at Disney a year or so ago. And so talking to him about just sort of finance and, 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 and mathematics through the idea of the, of the amusement park you know, experience um, so that you're learning, you're learning these skills through um, a more practical prism versus, you know, Judy has five apples and Tommy has 13. And so, what? no, 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 there, there are five people trying to get onto a ride. Three have a fast pass. Two, you know, are, are, are with couples that want to sit together. Like that's a, that's, a, that's a scenario that you've probably been in. 
And so in the end, if it's if it's not hospitality management, he will obviously have opportunities to transfer some of those credits into the business department. Um, but it's also incumbent upon us to show him that when you go to a restaurant, when you go to a business park, when you're at a hotel, when you're on a cruise ship, um, that there's an economy um, happening and that there's money being extracted and the business is trying to extract more money from you. And so I said, Curtis, how are all the ways they're trying to take money out of our pocket right now? Okay, dad, they have the, um, you know, the, the store that sells all the trinkets. When you go up the ride in Disney, you can't walk outside of the thing until you walk through the, the gift shop. Like whose idea that was, I'm not sure, but it was, but it was brilliant. The emotional connection to the ride, it's right here. It's not over to the left, but you have to, you can deviate. You have to walk through. So it's proximity, it's marketing, it's branding, it's bundling, all the business principles that we learn, but we learn them in the abstract. And you're like, okay, I got a manufacturer scenario in my head. He can live through it. But to your point, um, again, if, if he's a five-star, you know, point guard by a senior year and Duke and Kentucky start calling, then, you know, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be at homecoming with me. <laughs> right. You might, KU, KU. You know, he'll, he'll be, a, he'll be, you know, um, but I'll say this, you know, I have a lot of Morehouse brothers and, you know, uh, Timmy can, can attest to it. Um, the number of, of, of alums who, who sent this under Morehouse have gone down tremendously in the last 10 or 15 years. And this data is, is, has been clear. Um, and just men who have a connection to Morehouse, whether it be a father or grandfather or an uncle, um, has, has gone down. Uh, and that is a function of, uh, in many ways, the cost of HBCUs, um, unfortunately, the facilities. Um, uh, and so those two things where, as someone like myself, I didn't mention this, but I'm the vice president of the National Alumni Association of Morehouse, it's incumbent upon us to say we have to not rely on HBCU alums to simply enroll their children off of the emotional, historical connection because we watched Different World and we saw school days 30 years ago. But our students' connection is not as nearly as emotional. It is more practical. So if it's, Dad, I love staying here, but we haven't had water for three days. Dad, I love staying here, but, you know, the professor, you know, has, has, has not been to class in two weeks and no one's told me why. We have to clean that stuff up. I'm not saying that's an issue at Morehouse, but we can't um, expect people to support our institutions unless we're putting our best foot forward. I believe we can and we will with the right resources. And that's sort of a conversation we often have about HBCUs is trying to play on the same plane with PWIs like my alma mater, Harvard, or where I teach at Maryland. We are playing on an uneven playing field around resources and parents aren't necessarily trying to hear the, you know, if Morehouse had more resources, it would be. Well, it doesn't. And so I'm not here to, I'm, I got four years, unless y'all decide to come up with a big endowment, um, I'm not paying the 45 grand when I got a full ride here but at the same time, understanding the value and the connection and the and putting the Morehouse, the value of the Morehouse degree long-term and the network you have and it's paid off, they're trade-offs. Um, but I'm saying everything's on the table. Clearly, my son is exposed to Morehouse more than most. He knows the school song already, um, but he will he will have his options open. And that's that's as a father, you know, the only, you know, the only, only right thing I should do, emotions aside, I, I want the best for him. A lot, a lot of great information there. I appreciate you covering all that. But I want to go back to, you know, something we were talking about earlier. You were talking about kind of the dual enrollment, students finishing with associate's degrees. Um, you know, what are the conversations you have with families who, you know, maybe want to look at more of the selective schools and knowing that, you know, those 60 credits may not 
You know, what are some of the trade-offs, some of the conversations you're having with them so they have a good understanding of what the op options are going to be? Well, it's funny. Um, the selective schools, that, at least in my experience through alums of art system, um, really love the dual enrollment. Um, if you look at some of the graduates and the scholarship offers, so for example, uh, my wife's school, I believe she has maybe 150 graduates every year. And they do a number of all the all the scholarships. I want to say last year, her class of 150 had $18 million in scholarships. Something crazy. We had a similar high school. Our largest high school had a similar number, but they had 500 students, three, four times as many. Um, but what, what I'm seeing, and this is something I saw so recently, um, so as a member of the school board, I do a lot of graduations, you know, and I'm shaking hands and doing all the glad handing. And a student came back a couple of years ago from my wife's school um, who came to give the, 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 the speech. And I shake her hand, she says, yeah, I'm, I'm a, you know, I just graduated from Tulane University in New Orleans. I said, wow, excellent. Um, I said, when did you finish at this school? She said, two years ago. I said, yeah, you're two years, three at Tulane. How do you, I'm 20. You're 20 years old, college graduate, almost no debt in a field of, I think she was, she wanted to do hospitality in New Orleans. Like, can I borrow a dollar? Like, yo, sis. <laughs> straight up, straight up. But, but, what, but what happened, so the, to the, the, the science behind it, at least as I saw it was, Tulane says, we bring in a certain number of students. You all know this probably better than I do. There's attrition in the first year. You drop off, I don't know, say 10, 15% and a good, good number. Some HBCUs, that could be many as 30 or 40%. You have another student says, come in and says, I have 60 credits. I'm out in two years. Right? I'm in, I'm out the door. I'm adding to your graduation rate. And, I, and, and you're actually benefiting from someone else investing in me for the first two years. And so the question is, would you rather have an 18-year-old who, who's, whose chances of graduating in four years is, I mean, you know the math, what is it, 60%, 70%? Versus a student who's coming in with 60 credits, has a career pathway, is coming into the class, already knows how to advocate for themselves, kind of working with professors, knows how to study, study groups, you know, how to register for classes. It's kind of like, you know, built-in junior. And you can get them in and out the door in two years. Like, that's the whole, I mean, we talk about, we won't get on this topic, but around around sports and, and the transfer portal, 18-year-old high school players, unfortunately, are not getting a lot of looks at the, at the, at the college level. They want the transfer students. They want the guy who played a couple of years at a smaller school and we know we're getting. And so this is a thing around parent understanding schools, particularly schools and, I, and Tulane, I believe is very selective, but we're also seeing similar schools, um, even in, even in Maryland, UMBC, I believe very selective, University of Maryland, um, and then other schools outside of the state who are saying, we already know you're a good student. You have the credits. You have the maturity because you've been taking classes as early as 14 with adults. Like my son coming, actually starting next year, will be in, in classes with guys our age who sort of come back to class. And my wife is already, we're working with him on, you know, how to talk to a professor, how to prepare for class, how to take notes. By the time he graduates, walked in the, you know, where are you going to go in four years? He's going to be like, man, this is, this is, I've been doing this since I was 13, 14, 15. So yeah, I think the selective schools um, will appreciate that. There are some states, so I mean, this is, you know, around, I think you all talk about this is like, do your research. There, there are many folks I talk to who don't even realize that your school may not be dual enrollment, but your state or your district could allow for either reimbursement or uh, uh, sort of discounts 
um, or even in our district, if your if your child is not in one of my either my wife's school or my son's school, everyone in the state of Maryland, no matter what, is um, has an option for free community college if you're a public school student. The only thing, if you're not in a school that offers it, you have to get your own transportation to and from the campus. Uh, but it's free money. Um, and as a, as a board member, you know, we put money in our budget, uh, but you'd be surprised how many parents don't take advantage of it. Um, but it's, it's free money. And I think there are parents who don't look like us are, are taking advantage of it as well. Um, there are students walking to my class at University of Maryland who are saying, I came in with 15, 20, 25 uh, credits. I saved my parents a semester, a year, a year and a half, or uh, one other option you could have and say, well, you know, I had my 60 credits. I do want to stay more than two years in a four-year school. Two years is a, I want the college experience. What it allows you to do is to take less credits per semester. So, Tim, you know, when I'm at, at Morehouse, everything was 15, 15, 15. If you slipped up, you may end up taking 18. We have some brothers who were doing a 21. I don't know how they did it. But my son, particularly, say he goes to Morehouse with, say, 45 credits. Now he can take 12 every wow. semester. Now, he's, now he could, I mean, if he wants to pledge a fraternity, wants to join an SGA, wants to do other extracurriculars, you know, brother with four credits, man. We're like, bro, you ain't even, are you in school? Four classes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, spring spring semester. <laughs> spring <laughs> semester is a must. Oh, you over there, <laughs> you at Spelman, you at Market Friday every day. Bro, man, I got four classes, man. Like, bro. <laughs> so that's the thing also you have with a dual enrollment is you also, your, your college experience. You want to do uh, a semester abroad or you want to do right. something. Like you could take a summer class, like you could do one summer class, and then have like the nine, depending on whether, you know, some schools have a requirement of 12 to be a full-time student and financial aid kicks in. But you can really have a different experience than a lot of us had when you're taking the 15 and the 18 and your experience, but also, as you all know, affects connections with professors. If you're taking 12, professor says, hey, hey, you know, hey, hey Shereen, I'm doing a research project on you know multivariate regression analysis on poverty in the West End, you know it's being funded by the University of Michigan and Morehouse. I'm looking for a research assistant. Do you have time to do this? Absolutely, sir. Yes, I do, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now a resume. Now a resume pad. Now we're now we're cooking with sauce now. Right. And so these right. are the things that I think my son, other students could have if we're more deliberate. And if you don't have it, write your con write your state legislator, write your state senator. Talk about this because in places, this is the most bipartisan, and I also work in politics around this stuff. This is the most bipartisan issue in the country. I'll talk about all the other things that the Republicans and the Democrats want to fight against. Everyone loves the dual enrollment community college, you know, conversation. Uh, there's so many people who are going to be leaving, and I go to four year because my son can graduate and, and go into the workforce, Marriott, work for, you know, Carnival Cruises if he wants to with no four year degree. But this is an option, and it's one I think parents should take advantage of. So let me jump right in on that one. So I wrote a, um, the, we have a chapter in our book called um, In Your Opinion, In Our Opinion. And the first line I wrote was uh, college isn't for everybody. And again, I, but, 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 but as an educator, uh, as a professor, as someone who does a lot of work with, with young people, whether it's politically or educationally, I mean, do you believe, and again, I, when I say college isn't for everyone, I'm including trade schools. I'm including Going from 18 to 22 is a very critical time in people's lives and doing something that will prepare them for their long-term future, I think is necessary for them to be in some kind of school. What do you think? And again, take take the parent hat off for a second because I never want to, you to think they were trying to talk about your own kids, but you know, is college for everybody. What do you tell kids about the college experience that maybe it's not for them? 
post-secondary education is important. Now, if, if that comes from, or training, if you want to call it, if that comes from the military, then go for it. If it comes from um, a trade school, if it comes from a company that says, we're going to hire you and put you through a two-year training program within our company. I mentioned, I mentioned Marriott, you can mention, I don't know, um, you name it. And someone says, I'm going to hire you, but we're going to put you to a two-year training, which is going to allow you to have an apprenticeship. And in many places, we have paid apprenticeships. Um, but to simply graduate high school and to walk into um, any indus in industry and to supply, um, you're, 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 <laughs> you're, at, you're at a disadvantage unlike anything you know, in human history as it relates to, you know, um, a, someone who's has the minimum requirements to do the job uh, that's asked of you. Um, and so even to the point of being a receptionist, um, in many cases, a receptionist is no longer a receptionist in the traditional sense. In many cases, you are scheduling probably someone in the office, you're you are, you are controlling someone's schedule. You're controlling the schedule for certain meeting rooms in the building. And God forbid you double book somebody on a day when clients are coming in. Like this is not, the, not, not your grandmother's, you know, reception. This is something where you have to deal with catering, probably. You're probably dealing with um, preferred caterers, discounts, negotiating things. You're like, well, I'm just 18. I just started off. Hey, sis, like this, I mean, I, I appreciate that. But in the end, this is a business. And clients come in and they expect a certain level of service. And so it's about customer service. It's about um, responsiveness, about attending, anticipating people's needs before I ask them. And unfortunately, many schools that aren't really trade-centric are preparing students for that. Now, I'll say, and, and again, particularly in some school districts, mine included, we do have career academies that are graduating students with a high school diploma, not an associate's, but there is career, um, there's a lot of career training. And so I would say, to your point, it depends. So we have students who are, who are going into hospitality, I mean, who are going into cosmetology, um, barbering, um, um, car repair. And so they have the sort of the, the, the fundamentals and the foundations, but there's an expectation and an unwritten social contract with the parent to say, this is just the beginning. Um, your child has been, has, has known how to change oil, maybe change, you know, spark plugs, remove these things. They have the function of the school of the car. They know how to use things, but if they're going to go and work on a car over at this dealership and, and repair, uh, there's probably going to ask for a little bit more, a little bit more training. Now you can apply and see what they say. They may say, we'll take you on, but you have a foundation and then you'll be an apprentice with someone else. But it depends on what they already have as a basis. If they have nothing, if they're coming out, just a basic, you know, math, you know, the three R's, um, then I definitely expect them to, to do something right after um, they graduate. Because again, you're just not putting yourself in the best position long-term. Um, and those, those four years, they're valuable. I mean, I don't want people to discount, you know, I'll figure out when I'm 25. Those 18 to 22 is really, you're kind of getting your sea legs, you're figuring out like what's your, what's your sleep schedule? Um, you know, what's your, what's your sort of financial space? Are you living home with mom? Are you contributing to the bills? Um, are you, are you, are you getting good habits? This is something I'm talking to my son and my daughter about. What are your good habits around, um, around again, your schedule, around your health, eating. If you, if you make, if you work at McDonald's, you probably eat McDonald's, you know, and then you're dealing with a lot of other health issues and you probably don't have good health insurance. And so these are things that will unfortunately put yourself at a disadvantage. Um, and unfortunately, I bet the three of us probably have horror stories of friends of ours who we grew up with who did that. And when they're saying, bro, I just wish you did something structured, it would put you and your family 
And in some cases, your grandkids in a better position than they are now, because right now you're not necessarily reaching your full potential uh, as, a, as a person. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, essentially my brother's story. I mean, he he went to school and, you know, it wasn't for him and kind of, you know, floundered for a while and ultimately got his barber's license and, you know, is thriving and, you know, has some opportunities to, you know, open up a barber school and create multiple levels of income. So, yeah, you know, obviously there are multiple paths uh, towards success. And that's, you know, one of the things that uh, we you know really are, are kind of beating the drum drum as we go about, you know, kind of highlighting our book. But, you know, at the foundation of all this um, is uh, Real Men Teach. So, you know, for maybe some audience who aren't as familiar, could you just, you know, kind of explain how that came to be? And, you know, what does it really mean to you? Because obviously it's more than just a physical act of teaching. But, you know, tell us a little bit about Real Men Teach. Well, Real Men Teach is a community. It's, 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 it's a village, man. Um, and, you know, someone who grew up um, around, around Black men, not only my father, but my coach, my barber, my middle school principal, um, my, my, my friends, fathers, I was really nurtured in a village. And then I went to Morehouse and I'm like, oh, this is, this is village on a thousand. Um, not only do I have men, I, now I have brothers who are, who are going to support me. And I have professors and I had alumni. Um, and I, I went out the world thinking like, does everyone have this? And if not, like, why not? Like, you know, I don't even, I don't know how it feels to not have it. So I'm like, you know, one of those things where the support is, is so strong um, that I want to give it to somebody else. You know, I finished Morehouse, then I moved to Africa. I moved to South Africa and lived, lived in a literal village. Um, um, and so I'd have to go through a sort of a, a rite of passage that was sort of replicated off, of, off, of, off, of, off an African tradition. I lived it, a literal village where people knew exactly where I was throughout the entire day. Someone walked through the village who wasn't from the village, everyone knew it. Um, and so as I you know, sort of became a, a member of my school board, having had an experience as a school teacher, being the only black male uh, school teacher at the time saying, this is this, first of all, personally, this is not a good environment for me being the only, but also what the students were missing out. And you add on top of that, you know, what I'm seeing particularly young black boys in my school saying, I had all this and you only, you, you don't have it. Like what kind of life outcomes would you have or what, what would I have had if I didn't have it? And so when I, been, when I joined the school board, we started um, with two Morgan State alums, um, Albert Lewis and Victorious Hall, um, something called the Male Educator Network. So this is a dish, educators in my school district coming together, just having conversations like this. Hey, bro, like, how you doing? How things going, bro? Like, hey, no, no agenda, man. Like, this, let's get it off. No, you know, off the record. And we talked about, we had our own focus groups. So what do you, why do you teach? Um, do you think, are you thinking about leaving? Why do you want to leave? Um, are you staying? Why are you staying? And so through that, we started doing programming um, and then COVID hit. Um, and so when COVID hit, I was sitting at home and saying, how can I bring this community online and how can we make it you know, more, more national? Uh, and so Real Men Teach started, uh, I trademarked the term, went, went straight to the government um, and, and, and leveraged that into this community of men um, around the country who are coming together saying, um, one, I need community. Um, two, in order for me to be the educating to be, you need to let me be me uh, and, and don't apply, apply you know, don't put on me are your caricatures and stereotypes of what black men, Latino men, uh, black educators, Latino educators should look like. Oh, you're the big black guy, you're in security. Um, you got lunch duty, you got in-school suspension. Um, you're gonna teach basketball, bro. I don't even know how to play basketball. Bro, why, 
I'm a, I like chess. I'm I'm over at the big team, but you got me over here doing stuff because of your own particular issues or what the world has done around um, what black men. So we said one by one, could we slowly but surely change the face of what it looks like to be black men? And we started off on a daily basis saying, if we just post one day about a black male educator, but tell his full story, he's not just black male educator one, he is Timothy Field, graduate of Morehouse College, the father, uncle, uh, also likes to, you know, sneakerhead, uh, uh, Mason, all the different things saying, oh, there's more to it than just black male educator one. Oh, these people have, have are, are people? Yeah, I'm a person, bro. Like, please give me my, give me, give me that, that space. If you want me to be my full self. One day turned into two years. <laughs> and so we've never stopped. Um, and now we partner with school districts, nonprofits, universities to be um, a, 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 uh, a partner and pushing out their organizations, their missions, um, and their job openings, their scholarships to our community. Our community is growing. It's a valuable community. Um, and just recently got, a, got an email from a partner, um, a fellowship program out of New York, um, the National Fellowship of Black and Latino Educators. They work with us to increase application to their fellowship. Um, and through our partnership, had over 100 applicants just from our partnership uh, reach out to them and say, I want to be part of this fellowship. Um, I want to be, I want to move from the classroom into the principalship. This fellowship is a, is a great brotherhood. Um, I heard about the real men teach, didn't know about y'all before, or I heard about y'all, but I didn't know y'all was cool, but y'all, y'all cool with real men teach y'all cool with me. And so that the value of the brand, um, has been so tremendous, man. So I'm just so proud of what we've done and what we're going to be doing in the future. And, and I, I must say every time I wear, you know, the shirt that I got, um, from you, from, from my real men teacher, I get so many compliments on it, you know. And, and people are curious about it. I'm hoping that they're going to the website, hoping that they're, you know, just understanding that this is a mission. And it's, it's a mission that, that yes, maybe you're, maybe your brainchild, but it's a mission that the whole country needs to adopt. That, you know, we, there are positive influences that need to be heard from uh, and, and males who have things to share. So again, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna salute you for that. Uh, Curtis, I can't, again, I, we, I've been trying to get on your calendar for months. And again, we, we both been running ragged. Um, I want to be respectful of your time, and I'm going to actually uh, conclude with a little bit of lighthearted fun, if you don't mind. Um, you are a proud Morehouse uh, undergraduate alum, but you also went to the Harvard University uh, for your graduate studies. Uh, mm -hmm. How do you, you know, play with the dynamic of HBCU PWI, Morehouse Harvard, and more importantly, are there schools out there that you think um, people should be considering that maybe that isn't that aren't on their radar screen. Well, when people you know mention that I went to to Harvard, um, Harvard. No, no, no. Say it right, Curtis. Harvard. Say, say, people, say it right. People at Harvard don't say it that way. You know, we don't. We don't <laughs> just as jealous folks. Just as jealous folks. Well, you know, I'll say what W. Du Bois said. So when I was at when I was studying at, at Harvard, um, I had the beauty of living in a dormitory in an apartment building that literally allowed me, as I walked home, to pass by the home that W.E.B. Du Bois stayed in while he was a student at Harvard 100 years ago. Um, and so I'll say what, what, what Du Bois said when they asked him, you know, um, what was it, you know, how was it, you know, studying at Harvard? And Du Bois said something only Du Bois could say, it was Harvard's pleasure. Um, and so I understand that, you know, when HBCU was attending um, uh, Ivy League institutions, that it's not that we're get, we're coming to uh, to take. In many ways, we're coming to give. 
Um, and, and we're coming to give an experience that, that particularly Harvard and Morehouse has a, has a long-standing connection. Uh, Harvard, all the schools, law school, dental school, Kennedy School of Government, education school, divinity school, they, they come to Morehouse specifically because they know the caliber of students they're going to get. And you know when those students come to Harvard graduate schools that we end up running the student union. We end up, you know, when I went to Harvard, I was the, the um, I was the editor of one of our of our journals, uh, the Journal of African, African um, Studies at, at Harvard. Um, you know, I had friends who had the business school and they came in uh, and were running stuff. And they're like, well, we're looking for brothers, you know, look no further. Um, but here's another funny, fun fact. Uh, I realized just a couple years ago, I was not the first person in my family to either attend an Ivy League school or attend Harvard. I have an ancestor named William Valentine who attended Harvard in 1904. Um, and I didn't realize that until recently. I have another ancestor, John Chavis, who's the first black man to ever attend college in the U.S. ever. Um, he attended Princeton in 1794. Um, and so uh, my full name is Curtis Chavis Valentine. I'm a Chavis and a Valentine from Virginia. And so this history of, of, of black people going to Ivy League schools in my family um, is, is not unique. But I will say, you know, uh, get what you get for yourself. Um, I, I've never deterred anyone from 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 attending um, a, a, a Harvard or a Yale or Princeton if you get in. But know when you get in, there's different experience you're going to have than if you went to Spelman, Howard or Morehouse um, and, and to live with that decision. Uh, Timothy will tell you, we had a lot of brothers who attended Morehouse, less who turned down Princeton, Harvard, MIT for Morehouse. And they'll tell you they don't regret it for a single day um, because the, the job you can get coming out of a Morehouse, a Spelman, a Howard, a Hampton, a FAMU, an ENT um, are comparable, in some cases even better than other schools. I, I'll tell you, I have friends who attended schools like Georgetown and others who unfortunately did not have as better um, job outcomes than those who went to Morehouse. And there's a science behind that. We can talk about it in the second show, but know what you're getting into. Your second point around schools that young people should be be thinking about. Again, I mean, I get back to this 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 two year degree. Um, as far as large institutions, University of Maryland, like my Big Ten schools, um, I think are really attractive to our students in our district um, because they're large enough to where you can have. Um, you know, the options of different school models and you want to work in a, you know, you can bring your education, your engineering, your business and all those options together. But you also have a community of, of diverse people, African-Americans, all those campuses um, as well. I mean, University of Maryland, I mean, I've obviously plugged them because uh, it's one of the more diverse schools in the country. Um, it's one of the largest schools in the country. You have um, a, a black man uh, president now of University of Maryland, a black man, a president of um, LSU, you got a black man, a president of Rutgers University, uh, you got a black man, I think, a president of Temple University. And so you're starting to see um, larger white institutions see the value, particularly in black men. I will say the president of the University of Maryland um, came in. Previously, he was, a, he was the dean of the School of Engineering, and he came in and did things that I, I would have hoped he would have done as a, as a black man. Um, and one thing he did do most recently is say, if you're a student in, in Maryland, and you get into Maryland, whether you get in, you know, on the bottom of the list or the top of the list, free tuition and fees for four years, period. And so that's a way to say, you know, it kind of gets around the whole, you know, targeting, you know, sort of affirmative action. He's saying if you're if, if you're Pell eligible in the state of Maryland and you get in again, you squeak in or you are going to get a free education. And obviously it's disproportionately impact black and Latino and low income students. That's $20 million he put in just for that. 
we need particularly black men in, in leadership, black women in leadership at these larger institutions, white institutions to say, you can come here um, and, 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 and not be a financial burden, but hopefully you'll take that degree and go back into your community and, and support them. And so um, all love for, for any institution that's gonna train our, our black boys and girls to go out and be uh, excellent. Um, obviously my love for Morehouse is, is undeniable, um, but I'm also uh, a Terp. I love my students. I love the experience I give my students who are mostly white, um, but they're going to understand what it, what it means to also um, be taught by black men. And hopefully they'll take that experience and go out into the world and move differently on who they vote for, where they live, who they love, how they support, and how they move in spaces where people who look like me are being challenged. And if their connection to me uh, makes them better citizens, uh, then I think it's worth it. It's almost like the John Stewart and um, Tony Morrison, you know, putting white people on a panel to talk about racism. Said we're not putting black people on this panel no more. Uh, the, the, this is a, this is a y'all issue, you know. Yeah. So y'all y'all talk about it and figure it out because we, we we've done talk. I'm sorry, go ahead, Tim. Yeah. yeah so, so so before we get you out of here, I mean, obviously, a, a wealth of educational experience and knowledge at all levels from being a faculty member you know, community organizer, board member, you know, and, and and starting as a teacher, being in the classroom. So you're seeing all of this, uh, you know, and obviously you're about to embark upon this yourself. What's one piece of advice you would give to parents as they think about, uh, you know, helping their students go through the college admission process? One, uh, buy your book. Um, please, please buy my it. man, my man, <laughs> plug it, plug it, plug it. By, by, by five, keep one for yourself. And, and it, this this is not, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm plugging you, but I'm also, just, in all honesty, if you were not here, I would say, do your homework. Now, fortunately, brothers like you have done the homework. And so you could say, do the homework. The, the response would have been, where do I start? And I'd be like, you know what? The internet is huge. But there are people who have done it for you. So whether it be buying your book, listen to podcasts like this, uh, but also, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. I think that's the thing about particularly, I would say black fathers, in some cases, probably black mothers who are did not attend a four-year institution and their children are really good and you're trying to figure out what questions do I ask that I should know that I don't and people will kind of, I'll be telling them myself if I, if I did. And so it's do your homework uh, and ask questions. But lastly, you know, listen to your child. Um, and this gets back to your original question about my son. Um, your children will be able to tell you a lot about, you know, what they want um, and, and give them the courage to be able to say, Ma, I don't, I don't want to go to an HBCU. Um, and it'd be very clear, you know, let's talk about why not and have the experience. But um, again, there, there are so many HBCU students who attend but don't graduate because it's not a good fit. It's just not a good fit. Like it's not for everybody. Like Morehouse is not for everybody. You can put that on a bumper sticker. Morehouse is not for, I want it for you. But if you don't want it for yourself, bruh, but guess what? I will still, you, if I meet you and you say, Curtis, I heard about you. I want to get involved in education. We want to do a coffee. You let me know. I got you. Don't get, because this Morehouse is not the only way to get connected to Curtis or Shereem or, or Tim. We, we, we here for the, we here for the, we here for the people, bro. For the I culture, mean, for the culture. For the culture, man. And so that's the thing, man. Um, and so that's, that's, that's really, so it's do your homework. Ask the questions, but listen to your child. If you do those things, you will save yourself a lot of time and money and heartache because, you know, the, nothing worse than having a child, in, you know, move into a dorm, get used to something, and then have to move out 
Um, it's an emotional, it's a traumatic experience. It didn't have to happen. Um, I think the dual enrollment program, I think coming out, even if you're not dual enrollment, you come out at K-12, doing a year or two um, at a, at a four years, at a two year institution. We didn't talk about this, but um, I started a pipeline out of Prince George's Community College into Morehouse, one of the, uh, the first one in the country. Morehouse has recently signed an articulation agreement with uh, Prince George's Community College. And so we had students who came out of K-12, weren't sure about college. And they were like, you know, I don't want to waste money. It wasn't a gap year in the, in the Obama sense, but it was a sense of, let me just step back in a, at a, at a, in a less, less costly way, figure out what I want to do. I'm not going to Morehouse, figuring it out, staying five and six years, like a lot of our friends did. Let's go to a community college. Let's figure it out. Um, at least our program allows students that we took them out of Morehouse. You saw it. But guess what? The majority of students on our program did not go to Morehouse. We, did, we sent a lot down. A bunch graduated. One was the valedictorian of Morehouse. The other one was, you know, summa cum laude. One just graduated magna cum laude. But the majority didn't go to Morehouse. But guess what? Every single one of them could call me tomorrow, and I got them. Some went to HBCU, some went to PWI, some went to the military. Um, but to me, once we open those doors of brothers as men, that we are the village uh, and we got we got you, the world looks a lot different. Uh, I agree 100%. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention your cousin, fellow Ivy League graduate, Stephen Valentine, who's my frat brother and on your Morehouse graduate, because if, if he listens to this podcast and, and I don't mention it, he gonna be, he's going to come and get me, so... Uh, bro, I didn't, brother. I didn't know him about five, yes. six. I didn't know who he was until a couple years ago. Yes, he told he's me. He told me. Valentine. He's part of that William Valentine connection. North Carolina Central. Um, That's right, professor, Morehouse professor brother. of law. Yep. Hey man, I said, I'm, I'm not even the first Valentine to go to Morehouse. No, you're not. Yeah, nothing, he got. Man. He graduated in '95. You're right. I have nothing, bro. I'm thinking <laughs> bro. That's the first you. And so Stephen, who I contact, man, he's someone. But again, I have Morehouse brothers who go to whose sons go to Central. Right. right. They didn't go to Morehouse. They went to Central. And I said, hey, hey, Stephen, my Morehouse brother, his son goes to Central and he think about law school. Curtis sent him to my office. Yeah. I got I got four. I got I got him. He didn't right. go to Morehouse. Steve went to Morehouse. We went to Morehouse. No, no, well, well Steve went to Morehouse too. No, no, but, but I mean Steve went to the Morehouse. Kid, the kid, right. Yeah, the kid didn't go. But wherever you go, you go to Bowie State, you go to you go to University of Maryland, you go to UNBC. If you were down for our culture, if you're down for the village. Um, we are about this and, and we can't, you know, as, as my brother from Howard said, we can't set trip on, you know, what school you go to, um, and all that stuff. Um, but we can say that if you're down with us, you know, similarly, when I was working with my program, I would partner with the Omegas, the Sigmas, the Kappas, you know, the Alphas. And people say, Kurt, man, what's going I said, bro, the village, all hands on deck, hundred black men. Let's do it. We had a group of a hundred fathers, bro, all hands on deck. And if we can do that, man, anything is possible. Salute, salute. Tim, Tim, uh, you, you want to close us out? Curtis has been very generous with his time. Tim, what, what are your parting words for this excellent interview? I mean, I just want to thank you for your time. And more importantly, thank you for the work you do for the culture. You know, you, we uh, just are trying to carve out a small corner, uh, trying to, you know, help people navigate this college admission process. But obviously it starts beforehand. That's why it's important to have, you know, voices like yours in the K through 12 space and the advocacy space. And then, you know, helping them, you know, at, at the public policy level for, through, uh, you know, at, at Maryland as well. So just thank you for all your work. Uh, you know, know the the, the team is behind you. Um, you know, I, I'll say this, uh, you know, Shereem didn't say that, but he say this. But every once in a while, he'll say, 
hey, I went to, you know, the the HBCU uh, of the Northeast. You know what I'm saying? It was the most, you know, diverse school. We had a collection of black people. And, you know, it, you know, it wasn't the HBCU, but, you know. Uh, and I got Northeast. into Morehouse for a semester. <laughs> so, hey, but, you know, thank you, man, for all you do in your time, man. So definitely, you know, anything we can do to support you, uh, let us know. Man. I mean, I mean, I firmly believe that um, folks are going to listen to this podcast, whether it be my episode or others, going to read your book, and they're going to like their life's going to be changed. And I'm not even exaggerating. There are folks who are going to attend schools, save money, uh, make better decisions. And so, again, investing in your book is going to save a lot of money for a lot of families. But in the end, someone's life's going to be changed. Someone's going to get a college degree, maybe first gen, and their grandkids are going to be able to eat off their grandparents' college education. And so, what y'all are doing, man, the value of education is—I mean, it is the—it's—it's—it it's, is the key. Um, it is the, you know, uh, to, 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 to the future. And uh, I appreciate y'all. And if anyway, uh, I could be helpful to help you all sell some more books. Uh, you let me know. I'm here for it. We hear you loud and clear on that. We appreciate you, Curtis. And uh, for those of you who are listening to the Application Admission Podcast, we always thank you. Because, again, your time is valuable. We're trying to share good information. So we out. We out.